Welcome back to the CBJ episode 59, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's just Jason and I, no special guests. Um, we're a little lame right now. I'm just joking. Uh, we're, <laughs> it's uh, senioritis um, kicking in. So that's what's happening. And we're going to jump in to the NFL with the latest of all the buzz, which is not that the Carolina Panthers won their first game, but that is exciting. Congratulations. Um, um, they're off the hook. It's the firing in Vegas. Um, Mark Davis made the announcement that uh, Josh, head coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler of the Raiders, or as I think it was Jim Nance that said it, during the Patriots Raiders game, uh, the New England West team have been uh, removed of their positions. So, Jason, give me your initial thoughts on it, and then we'll go from there. Well, if you date back a few podcast episodes ago, maybe a year and a half ago, you can go on record and see me saying that I thought this uh, coaching experiment would be a failure. And of course, I was right. This was expected uh, with Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. I think he's a great play caller, but by no means can he run a defense. And he even showed weaknesses with the offense, which makes me even more concerned. And, you know, the Raiders are probably in the worst state of any franchise in the NFL right now. You paid all this money to Jimmy Garoppolo for three years or multi-year contract um, just to bench him for your 25-year-old rookie quarterback. It, it makes it does not, not make any sense. And uh, I think they, they, need a, they need a new core running this team. They probably should start from the bottom in terms of roster, but I think this is probably the best step they could have made in getting in this direction. They have pieces that they can build around. They've drafted well the past few years. And I think that they just need to keep starting fresh, acquire all these young draft picks and uh, eventually build a good team. But they're very far from where they are. But this is step one in uh, building this team back up to where it needs to be with Derek Carr. Yeah, well, Derek Carr is no longer on the team anymore. He's with the Saints. Um, And bringing Jimmy G looked like he was going to be the next best option. But um, what I had read recently, and it kind of just had re-triggered, I guess, or came back to me, which was kind of goes back to when uh, John Gruden got retired. Um, And just thinking about where they were, um, I think they had a winning record, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Interim head coach, I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to botch it, but the interim head coach came in. I mean, I still remember that the week 18 game against the Chargers when they like last second field goal brought them into the playoffs. Um, they did lose to the Bengals in overtime uh, in that playoff game, um, which always had always reminds me of the controversial whistle. Um, but besides the point was they had momentum. They let uh they decided not to hire the interim to head coaching job, try bringing someone else. And as I read, they signed Josh McDaniels to a six year contract. And now they gotta pay him for the next four years. Like they I don't know if they thought it was gonna work out for six years, but looking back, I it was a mistake. Yeah, you, you said it like they're paying Josh McDaniels right now. I'm pretty sure they're still paying Gruden. And it's so weird, as you mentioned, 2021, they were sort of at their peak with this roster and they were expected to get even better by adding Devontae Adams to an already good core, uh, of a, especially of a great offense. 
Uh, it was so many things going on in 2021 um, with Rich Basaccia coming in and leading them um, to believe nine or 10 wins that year. And like you said, they lost to the Bengals controversial call. They could have easily been in the divisional round playing um, against the Titans uh, instead of Cincinnati. And uh, I, I think that uh, the, the Raiders just really messed up with Derek Carr and how they handled that situation. That's sort of, you know, why they're here. If you're going to move on from someone that could, you should probably be taking a quarterback uh, in the NFL draft. I think they probably should have tried to trade up for an Anthony Richardson or a CJ Stroud type of player. And I think they're going to regret it now. Uh, if they finish with a bad record, they can certainly get someone now because they have all these draft picks, um, especially the ones they got in the Devontae Adams. Or, but they did give up a few in the Devontae Adams trade, but they still have um, some high draft picks uh, moving forward. Uh, and I just think that um, Josh McDaniels and Gruden all mess this thing up and they they should easily just um you know resort um to sort of that underdog mentality with someone like Rich Basaccia. Obviously um he has a job with the Packers right now as I believe a special teams coordinator, but you're gonna have some interim coaches come in and lead the way. And I think the Raiders are gonna start finding their identity soon and um they'll probably find a match for a real uh real head coach this offseason. I wanna change gears going from bad, worse, to positive. And we're going to come back, kind of like a, a seesaw a little bit, and talking about the best teams in the league. And this week, we are fortunate. I say fortunate with a small caveat, and the reason is we are fortunate to probably watch one of the best, if not could be the best teams in the American uh, AFC compete against this uh Competing against each other this weekend between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. I say this small caveat because they had to put it in Frankfurt at 9.30 in the morning on Sunday. I'm now happier because I can watch it, but still, I, I feel like that could have made for great Sunday night football primetime um, ratings. And I think maybe they'll get some international people to watch, but I just think like that's a bummer. But... That being said, it's still going to be a great matchup. We will really see, I think, who both teams are. Let's start with Miami. Miami, they scored the most amount of points in the first couple weeks. Kind of fallen off, fallen apart a little bit lately. Um, They had a little bit of a collapse against the Eagles. Um, And then we also know that they uh, lost to the Bills after throwing a 70-burger against the Broncos. I don't know if Miami is the best team, and I say that because I look at where they, the teams that they beat. Chargers, Patriots twice, Broncos, Giants, Panthers. If I'm not mistaken, I think you can add up all the um, records that they played, of the teams they played. Their records, I think, are uh, below 500 or about 500. Meaning they haven't really played good competition. The two teams that they've lost have a winning record. So it's really interesting. And I think this will be a really interesting test for the Dolphins. Can they compete with teams like the Eagles and the Chiefs who are considered Super Bowl favorites? I think they absolutely can. They're sort of giving me uh, 2022 Eagles vibes. I, I think there's this team is very good. They were beating down on a lot of bad teams early on. But as the season goes on, they'll obviously be losing to some good teams, but they're all, they're also going to be beating some good teams. And I think this is actually a chance where they can 
pull off an upset. I think um, you know that there's more emotion going to this game with this being Tyree Kill's revenge game. The Chiefs decided to trade him away because they wouldn't pay him to be the best, to be the highest paid receiver in football. And he's going to take this one personally, and he's going to do everything in his power to probably put up like the greatest game of his career. He could he could explode for like 200 yards and three touchdowns. That would not be a surprise. Um, because Tyreek Hill um can just do that. And you look at the Dolphins offense, they have so much game-changing speed. Um, even when Devon with Devon A chain coming back soon, they're gonna have four speedsters that can really just change the course of a game with him, Mostert, Tyreek, and of course Jalen Waddle, um, who had a phenomenal game last week against New England. And the Dolphins obviously with Tua Tonga Vailoa. Um, he's really taken a step up this year. Arm strength, accuracy, and uh I think this Dolphins team is legit. I think they're gonna show it. And um, even though um, people might be a bit mad that it does not get um, a lot of American attention uh, in the later window or like an 820 Sunday night football game, I've been reading that this is probably going to be the, the um, one of the highest watched international games, um, like international worldwide games we've ever watched, probably will rank number one in the entire world for um, most viewers, even though it's at a 930 a.m. start for most Americans and 630 for some as well. I mean, you hear it and it's frustrating as an American, but that's what what Roger Goodell wants to do. He wants to expand this. We've heard the talks about having a division in London, and that would definitely work because we know the Jags love playing in London. We now have this uh, 17th game where teams are now rotating to play a game, host a game in London. So um, being able to expand is awesome, Um, not just London and UK, but now to – Germany and Mexico, maybe Spain. Um, so that's fun. Looking at Kansas City side, there have been so many games that you felt like they are not the 2022 Chiefs that they were. We'll just start with right here. They lost to the Broncos, and they are not good. The Broncos lost, let up 70 points to the Dolphins. I know that's two different games, but and you can say, oh, well, there's a caveat. Patrick Holmes wasn't feeling well. It was 26 degrees. Well, I still think the Chiefs are a better team. They should have beat the Broncos. Um, barely beat the Broncos the first game. They couldn't pull away against the Jets. I know they're four and three or whatever. The Jets aren't good. They have no Aaron Rodgers. Um, the Chiefs struggled against the Jaguars. The only game that they really dominated was the Bears game and kind of against the Chargers. I think both teams, I don't think there's one clear winner of like, here's the king in the AFC. I think uh, Sunday's game between the Dolphins and the Chiefs will show, depending on the score, which teams can compete. And these two could end up facing back against each other um, in Arrowhead. I just think the Chiefs are going to uh, be the one seed. Um or who knows? There could be a a, a wild card, um, someone that we're not expecting now. But the Chiefs aren't giving me like I don't want to say hope, but it's uh it's more of just I don't think there's a clear winner between these two teams, and I think both teams can compete against each other. There's no doubt that the Chiefs have been disappointing, not living up to par of their standards. When you come off a Super Bowl, the expectation is you get back there. And losing to a team like Denver shows a lot of weakness in this team. And um, like we've noticed, there are so many weaknesses on this team um, that we're starting to notice. The uh, outside offense, the the offensive tackles on the offensive line have been very bad. 
um, because they lost Orlando Brown this offseason, and that's really hurting them. Uh, they don't have a real wide receiver one. And, you know, I'm not going to say Julius Schuster would have changed that if he stayed there. But last year, he was incredible and nearly had a thousand yards um, for the Chiefs. And they're really missing that guy. I mean, sure, they have Travis Kelsey, but we're going to throw to out wide. Who's going to take those screens to the house? They don't have that Tyree kill game changer on this team anymore. And that was one of the things we were concerned about last year. Luckily for the Chiefs, they have Patrick Mahomes, so they can overcome that. But right now, they're in a very weak spot. They have a really tough schedule coming up. And they could drop a few games and potentially be um, outside of that buy that they've always been getting um, as of late. Uh, I've learned the hard way um, about doubting Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I've done it every single year, and he always finds a way to um, make me look really stupid. But uh, I do think that the Chiefs are a little bit more fraudulent than uh, we were expecting them to be. But like I said, I've learned the hard way about doubting Mahomes, and I think the Chiefs are still the best team in the AFC. Let's switch gears to the NFC. And we don't. We are fortunate this week in Week 9 to not only get one great game, but many. And the game I'm looking at in the NFC is the Eagles-Cowboys game, um, which is 425 Eastern kickoff, so primetime on the East Coast. The Cowboys, I actually could... You can make a case for any team being the best team, but um, I really think the Cowboys this year have shown um, they are one of the top teams in the NFC. It's Philadelphia. I can't believe I'm saying this. Detroit at six and two. Philly seven one. Seattle's five and two. Dallas is five and two. San Francisco, although they just got Chase Young and they've on a three game losing streak, they're they're still in the mix at five and three. This is huge for uh Dallas being able to be your division ra- rivalry, which we know this is probably you could say one of the best rivalries in football right now, and they're showing why they are a good team. There was a lot of doubt with, especially like, how's the run game going to evolve now that there's no, um, Oh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, and they missed a few key pieces on both sides, but they're showing that in the games that they've won, they have dominated in the games that they've lost. They've kind of gotten, um, outscored a lot, but I think Dallas, I think Dallas personally is better than Philadelphia this year. Definitely thought that going into the year, but I honestly cannot defend the Cowboys anymore. They've had a lot of inexcusable losses. I mean, you're talking about this, the team that lost a, jo- a team with Joshua Dobbs, at starting quarterback um, on one of the, probably the most def- dysfunctional franchise, not named the Las Vegas Raiders in the NFL. And I don't know. I just think I, I get my hopes up for the Cowboys every year thinking it's their year. But there's so many weaknesses that we see every year that's going to hold them back. And I I can picture them losing in the divisional round to the 49ers in a few months from now. Right now, I, I, have, I just have that feeling once again because this team is just not it. I, I don't think Dak Prescott is as good enough as a quarterback um, that the Cowboys need to win a Super Bowl. It's not not saying he's bad, but um, he, he's just he, he's not in that elite tier. And he has not proven to me that um, he is anywhere close to that. Uh, the run game, like you said, it's been it's been a bit different. Um, Tony Pollard, the expectations were that he would explode, but he's sort of on the pace he was last year, um, which certainly isn't bad. He's still 
um, putting up top 10 to 15 numbers at the position. Uh, the offensive line, of course, is as good as it always is, and C.D. Lamb's um, taking his game to yet another level this year. But I think the biggest thing the Cowboys are going to miss is on defense with no Trayvon Diggs. Um, and uh, Stephon Gilmore is also um, – I, I don't think Stephon Gilmore is playing right now. Uh, so they've been really riding on Deron Bland a lot lately, who actually has three pick sixes. Um, but this defense, outside of Micah Parsons, is very weak. And th- there's a lot that I dislike about this team. I think Mike McCarthy is one of the worst coaches in the league, and Dan Quinn was sort of saving him. Uh, and, of course, they lost uh, their offensive coordinator to the Chargers this offseason. This team just feels a lot different, and uh, but at the same time, they're still the same old Cowboys, and they're probably going to lose in the playoffs. All right, we're going to move back to negative um, because it's actually a positive for me because I get to make fun of my own team. Um, the terrible New England Patriots who sit at 2-6, and six, worst team in the American AFC, hold, I think, the fifth or sixth draft pick. They are, I'm just going to say it out, a dumpster fire. Everyone said going into this year, oh, Mac Jones will uh, improve. He'll bounce back. They brought in Bill O'Brien. Can't be worse than Matt Patricia. Still got Bill Belichick, who thinks he's playing chess when other teams are playing checkers. Spoiler alert, still doesn't work. Um, (laughs) And... Also, second spoiler alert, um, in addition to have putting Josh McDaniels in this, Bill Belichick is just proven that he only worked well with one player, which is Tom Brady, um, the GOAT of the NFL. So, Jason, I don't know if you have any comments you want to share, but you can kind of use this as a little bit of a rant. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm certainly very disappointed in the Patriots this year. Uh, there's no excuses for this outside of some injuries, of course. I mean, we do look at the injuries. It, we kind of have a bit of justification. No Matthew Judon, no Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Kendrick Warren's now officially done for the year. Devontae Parker's been in and out, and he'll, he's in the concussion protocol and will miss uh, this weekend's game against Washington. And Josh Uche also missed some time. Uh, and they also did not make any moves at the trade deadline. So there's some excuses to be made, but at the same time, you have the greatest coach of all time. You have a young quarterback going to year three that's supposed to improve. You have a great offensive line. You have a great run game. And the defense is always phenomenal, but there's just really something off. And I don't know if it's Bill Belichick. I don't know if it's the interior offensive line never being healthy. I don't know if it's um, the loss of some defensive injuries, like the secondary has been pretty bad. Um, But I think the Patriots probably need to make that Raiders type of step and move on from someone. I'm not going to say that's going to be Bill Belichick, but it has to be someone big in this organization. And it's probably, in my opinion, probably we look at the quarterback with Mac Jones. I I think he he's certainly not been the problem these past three weeks. I'll say. Um, I think he after after the Raiders game these past two weeks he's been fine. These last two games I think have been his two best of the season outside of Week One. Uh. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that Mac Jones is the answer for the Patriots. I think they need to experiment, put someone like Bailey Zappi, Billy Cunningham, Will Greer. I don't care who it is. Just just give them some reps and see what you got because you clearly don't have a franchise quarterback in Mac Jones. And, you know, I'm trying to get optimistic about the draft because, like you said, top five to six pick right now, worst team in the AFC. 
Um, if there's one benefit to that, it means that the Patriots are in good position to get someone like Drake May or miraculously if they get him, Caleb Williams. And I'm excited to see if the Patriots go through with a rebuild because I think they have some pieces they can work with and they have a lot of pieces they can uh, dump and look for the future. Definitely. I think uh, I would say you're probably spot on. I mean, it's for, we'll start with this as it's weird. It's a weird feeling for Patriots fans who for 20 years got dominance and it basically was all right spoiler alert let's fast forward 20 years you're just gonna be um treated so well that eventually you're gonna fail because someone named the goat aka tom brady is gonna leave um and reality will set back and all patriots fan on cloud nine will just go back to to earth um i think the fact that they didn't make anything at the trade deadline um i looked at their upcoming games and i think the next three are all winnable. Um, actually, next four. Commanders, Colts, Giants, Chargers. Not saying that they will win all four. I'm saying they're all winnable. Goes back to the Raider game. That was, I felt like, a turning point. You had a chance. You were close against the Eagles in week one. Close against the Dolphins. You barely squeaked out a victory against the Jets, but you got off the winless track, so you got to win. Two terrible games. Cowboys, Saints, awful. Raiders, uh, so what are they? Were one and four at that point. That was the point. If they'd win against the Raiders, they would have been two and five. They beat the Bills, could have been three and five. You're going into Miami feeling a little better. Now you're one and uh, two and five going into Miami. You knew you weren't going to be Miami. So that was a loss. Here's the time, especially if the trade deadline, you win these three games, Commanders, Colts, Giants. You're back to five and six. You're almost around 500. Well, you're not perfect, but you're close to 500. You had some pieces at the trade deadline. That could be your time to uh, go on a run. Not saying most likely what would have happened was they would have gone on a run and then fell apart with games like the Steelers, uh, Chiefs, Bills again, and who knows about the Jets. Um, week 18, but it's just disappointing. And I think it starts with craft. I think so much has been, oh, let's Belichick the magician or the genius. He'll, he'll figure it out. Um, he'll work it out, but I don't know if he's not the best option. If it's, he can't relay the right message to his coaches, to his players. And maybe it starts with craft saying, Hey, we need to make a change. Who is that person? And we all know right now, Belichick is just trying to chase Don Shula's record. That's all he really cares about. But he doesn't have that quarterback that's going to help him win games. He, It's a loss for him, uh, I think. And until there's change made, this season is just going to be a waste. And I think if it's not now, it's got to, a change has got to be made at the end of the season. Yeah, there's certainly tension between Kraft and Belichick. I don't think their relationship is as stable as it was five years ago. I think probably you'd want to make a big change. And like I said, I don't know if it comes with Belichick or if it's Mac or both. But personally, this is nothing against Belichick. Of course, the greatest coach of all time, and no one's ever going to take that away from him. But I do feel like the Patriots sort of need an identity for this young team. And Bill Belichick's not going to ingrain what they where they're going to want. They want a lot more energy. They don't want old school, run the ball, 
get these very mid unathletic receivers. Like they, they want, they want to have like a real identity when it comes to going into drafts and free agencies and going after the real big guys. Don't settle for Juju Smith-Schuster for like three years, 33 million, whatever it was um, over some other impressive guys, like maybe Jacoby Myers, who has proven that he is um, a lot more talented than Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think that the Patriots need to be more aggressive in the draft. They, I will applaud them for the Christian Gonzalez pick. When I look at a lot of receivers that they've missed on um, because they had this certain idea for their system in mind, it, it probably comes with um, the player over the system. And Belichick's mind is the system, the system, the system. And at the end of the day, it's coming back to bite them. And I think if they go – one in three or less in this range of four games, I'm benching Mac and I'm just trying to move forward and try to tank for this pick. And and you talk about the system, you bring in Zeke Elliott. What is that gonna do? Take away Mac's best option. Let's bring in some guy named Juju who's useless. Um, Bill's decision to go for a kicker and then decide to get rid of Nick Folk. That was smart. Um, as you see him, I think I wanna say Nick Folk is still perfect within 40. Um, and you got this guy named Chad Ryland who's hitting. I think the uh, last time I checked, they put up the last time I checked, and they had like a graphic of his percentage. I want to say it's around 50%. That's not good for a kicker, so that's great. Punter, whatever you knew you were going to probably lose Jake Bailey, so that at least is fine. He's mid, but what's the point of all these mid players? Mid kicker, mid punter, mid receiver. You've got no one to throw to, you've got to running back who's old, and Ezekiel Elliott, he was fat when he came here. Shocker that he's still not fat. Um, maybe he would have been gone <laughs> if he was. Uh, it's just disappointing. So, I don't think there's much hope, but yeah, it's going to be a terrible season, and maybe they can give fans some hope for this last couple, for the next couple games midway through the season. The good news is if they are still performing bad, um, Boston fans can kind of transition to a different sport um, and jump on the Celtics bandwagon, which I know Jason wants to kind of touch on a little bit. Well, I'll just start with this. They won by 50 points against the Indianapolis Pacers the other day. This team is undefeated at 4-0. This team is good. It's time to get uh, Banner 18. Yeah, that was a great segue there between the Patriots and the Celtics, something more positive here. Um, yeah, I think they have this chance to get the banner 18, as you said. Um, when we look at what they've done so far, um, undefeated, uh, a 50-point uh, masterclass against the Pacers. Um, it's just everything's clicking, you know. This entire starting lineup is um, just incredible. I think any of them can drop 20 on a given night. Uh, my one concern, uh, it's not big, but... If there's somehow some injuries with the starting lineup, I'm very concerned about who's going to start. Um, obviously, we saw the bench turn it up against Indiana uh, on Wednesday, but that's Indiana. They have a very ter- they have a really bad defense um, on, on their bench, of course, um, with Miles Turner being the only like, competent and actually really good defender on that team. So I don't know, like is Delano Banton going four 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 for uh, eleven points? Like is that is that fraudulent? Is that fluke? Is Sam Hauser going five for six from three point range a fluke? Because he certainly was not doing that before. And Peyton Pritchard, who had a terribly inefficient night, 
uh, in the game against Washington. He shot 0 for 8, and now he comes back and shoots 6 for 10 and makes two of his threes. Is that fraudulent? It's hard to tell. They've certainly beat down on some good competition. Um, like we've said, uh, the Heat um, was a great game. Um, but, you know, we look at the Knicks, Wizards, Pacers. I, I need to see the Celtics beat a good team for me to really be convinced. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I think this is easily the best team in the East, and we'll, we'll see if they are in the NBA. Well, I have two uh, quick questions to follow up on that, which is talking about the East. We know Milwaukee kind of made a bit of a splash with getting Damian Lillard. Um, so let's touch on that first, and then I'll go to the second question. Is Milwaukee, I guess, theoretically the team to be for Boston, or do you think there's another team? Yeah, I think that was a fantastic move from the Bucks. I know it's not showing up on the stat sheet yet um, in terms of Damian Lillard's production, but there's definitely a different vibe on the court with him there. Um, I'm a he seems dis- happier. Yeah, he does. And I'm a bit disappointed with Chris Middleton. I don't know why they're not using him. He only 16.7 minutes per game, so he's only scoring 7-3-3. Three, and three. Um, and when Bobby Portis and Malik Beasley are tied for being your third leading scorer, I'm probably looking um to get a little bit more out of guys like Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton and other great players on this team. Uh, I don't think the Bucks are probably the team to beat for the Celtics. I think it's uh, I'd probably say it's probably Miami. I know they've been really bad this year, um, but they they always have their number, and I, I know the Celtics already beat them. Um, but the Heat, we know they always start off pretty te- terribly, and by February, March, they'll figure it out, I think, and probably get their way into the playoffs, whether that be through the plan again, or maybe they get home court advantage with a top four seed. I don't know, but I do think that the Miami Heat have probably the best depth in the East. Uh, there's some teams that can maybe challenge. I don't know, Philly um, definitely can has a new identity with Noah Harden, and they can play through who they want to um, and not worry about the ball being in one player's hands the entire time. Uh, you can run those ISOs with Joel Embiid, and I think this is really going to open a lot for him. I think he could um, repeat as MVP um, with even better statistics. Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and Kelly Oubre Jr. all are averaging over 20 points per game, which is great to see from um, those three who we were uh, we were expecting a lot from Tyrese Maxey, but from a, from a guy over 30 years old and Tobias Harris and someone who they picked off the streets in September and Kelly Oubre, um, it was a great pickup for them. And outside of that, the East is pretty bad, honestly. I think the West is where it's at right now, um, which we certainly can talk about in a bit. Yeah, um, we talked about the system a lot of Patriots. I think uh, um, it's another word that you could apply to um, one team in particular, the Philadelphia 76ers, where the previous home of James Harden, um, supposedly, as he likes to quote it, I think – and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, it's not the system. I'm the system. Um, he's a mess. He was a mess in Philadelphia. He was a mess in Brooklyn. He's now joined the Clippers, which that's I think uh going to be a good team. So if you want to kind of transition to the West and and what you think, Denver's on a roll. So I'll, I'll kind of stop rambling and you can give your take. There's so many teams in the West that can contend for a championship. Uh, and there's really not any team that I can doubt in this conference, except for probably the Houston Rockets, um, who are still a little bit away from where they want to be. But I love the rebuild that they're having. And everyone else has been outperforming except for the Memphis Grizzlies and Phoenix Suns. 
Um, but I'll talk about the Grizzlies, actually. This is a good one. Um, people have said they were better without John Morant because um, of him sort of hogging the ball and everything has to run through him. But I, maybe this team is actually pretty bad. I don't know. Um, they made some good acquisitions this offseason. Marcus Martin, Derek Rose, some great veteran guard presence for them. Uh, Desmond Baines taking another step up. Jaron Jackson, of course, a defensive player of the year candidate every single year. I think the Grizzlies' time is going to come, but 0-5, I'm I'm shocked how they are at this point. They lost to the Utah Jazz, whose best player is Larry Markinen. Uh, they lost to the Washington Wizards, who have zero identity. Uh, and they lost to the Pelicans, who have nobody who can stay healthy. I'm I'm very confused what's happening with the Grizzlies. Um, but I'm, I'll talk about some teams that I'm I've been pleasantly surprised with. Uh, Wait, I, I want to just jump in real quick. I I am still optimistic on the Pelicans. I think Zion's gonna come back. Brandon Ingram's gonna come uh come back. If they can stay healthy, um, similar to the Celtics, if they can stay healthy. They're gonna be a top team. Um, but Memphis, uh, I think they're a dumpster fire. Sorry, now you can yeah. go. I was actually going to bring up the Pelicans. Four and one start. Um, They've certainly surprised me. Their schedule's been pretty light so far. Um, But when I've been looking at CJ McCollum so far, he's been someone who's stepped up a lot Um, in wake of some injuries Um, to Brandon Ingram because he's only played two out of five games. Zion's also missed a game. Uh, We can talk about the Mavericks going 4-0, oh, um, led by our one and only Grant Williams. 15 and a half points per game in four games has been incredible for him. Uh, he's averaging four three-pointers made. I would have never expected that. And they've been doing this all um, without Kyrie for most of the time. He's going to be coming back tonight for the game against Denver. Um, but we have Tim Hardaway off the bench with 20. Luka's averaging a near triple-double. Uh, and maybe other teams, the Nuggets, of course, like you said, they, they're probably going to go back-to-back at this rate with how prolific their offense is. The Warriors... Um, moving Chris Paul to the bench might have been the best thing that could have ever happened for them um, with the return of Draymond Green and then pushing Kevon Looney to center. Uh, and the Clippers, like you said, they have a big four with Russ, PG, Kawhi, and James Harden um, for the best players from the last decade. And I'm excited to see how they click because they're certainly all very old. Um, but with that experience, um, could be a potential super team. All right. So Zoom is going to kick us out in about a minute so we're running out of time we know we want to talk more but nfl week nine nba starting it's fun times um uh it's getting into the holiday season so with that unless Jason, you have any last words you want to say uh that'll do it for episode 59 of the cbj show as we get into the holiday season thanks for watching